If you are an international medical student or graduate looking to take your career to the next level by ditching the feeling of being overwhelmed and intimidated by the residency application process, you need the support and guidance that I have to offer you. And I want to tell you exactly how I can do that. I'm offering my comprehensive program that includes online coursework as well as cohort group coaching with community support to help you achieve your goals and succeed when you apply for residency this year. So my program is led by myself, Nina Loom. However, I do have other experienced medical professionals who've walked in your shoes and they understand the specific challenges that we as IMGs face. With my guidance and support and coaching, you'll navigate this complex process of preparing an application that attracts residency interviews. You'll also learn to build your network and gain the confidence and skills that you need to succeed. Free information like I've provided on the podcast is great. However, the rubber meets the road when it comes to implementation. Let me hold your hand and walk you through a process that is guaranteed to bring you results. I cannot wait to see you on the other side. So join now at imgroadmap.com. The IMG Roadmap is the only podcast dedicated to coaching international medical graduates and success blueprints for this unique pathway. I am Dr. Nina Loom, your host, a previous IMG turned hospital medicine physician, healthcare administrator, speaker, and coach. I empower, encourage, and equip you with actionable steps that you can take towards the residency position of your dreams. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the IMG Roadmap Podcast. As usual on this podcast, we focus on discussing with other IMGs that we consider successful because they've matched into residency, they're thriving in their careers, and they're coming back to give us information that we can use while we go through the process, right? So that's our central goal here. So today on the show, I have an emergency medicine resident. Her name is Dr. Natalia Grigorian. She's on today to share just some insightful, deep comments on her journey, her process as an IMG, and we hope that you can learn from it. Dr. Natalia, welcome to the show. Hi, Nina. Thank you for having me on your podcast, and hello, everyone. Well, before any further ado, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, maybe particularly where you're from, what makes you an IMG, a medical education, and that kind of material? Absolutely. So uh, as uh, Dr. Nina mentioned, I am Dr. Gregorian, but they call me Dr. G. I am uh, originally, I'm Russian-Armenian. I moved to California when I was a preteen and eventually my life led me and I became an IMG, meaning I went, I was a USA, I'm a USA citizen that has decided to go to a medical school outside the United States. And I'm not your conventional student. When I started uh, medical school, I was in my 30s with a six-month-old and a two-and-a-half-year-old. I went to originally uh, medical school in uh, Mexico, and it was the G. After completing my basic science courses there, I decided it will be best in my future career to transfer out and continue my clinicals in the United States. Wow. Well planned out, sounds like. I know one other doctor that I did a Kaplan course with that graduated from medical school in Mexico. And I know another one actually that I work with who is a cardiologist who started off in Mexico and transferred to the Caribbean. 
And so, you know, it's not unusual. I also transferred schools. So it's not unusual that some of us sometimes have to go through two different schools to obtain our medical diploma. But, you know, we'd like to learn a little bit more about you currently. What specialty are you in? What level of training? Well, I'm very humbled to say that I actually got into the residency of my dreams, which is emergency medicine. I'm currently halfway through. It's a three-year program, so I'm currently PGY2. That's awesome. Congratulations. That must have been very fulfilling, you know, to make it to the residency of your dreams. That's kind of our tagline here, too. We like to talk about people achieving their goals and whatever that is for themselves. So can you tell us a little bit about maybe the timeline for you, like when you took the steps? I definitely will. So there is a, when I started, I actually started in January of 2010. I took my six-month-old and a two-and-a-half-year-old and then drove over there and started my first two years basic sciences there. Unfortunately, for personal reasons and, like I said, for my future career, I made a decision that I need to transfer out of that school and make sure I do all my clinical experience in the United States because, as we know today, that a lot of residents is even though whether you're IMG or FMG, they want you to have USA clinical experience at least a year prior to applying for residency. So to eliminate that gap, which actually didn't eliminate much of a gap, and for family personal reasons, I took about two and a half years break while I was planning my transfer and uh, I ended up transferring out. Took my step one in uh, 2000. 14, I passed it on my first attempt. I had decent scores. And then uh, same thing with step two, passed it on my first try. And uh, that was in November of 2016. Well, and what year did you match into residency? So for all those who haven't matched the first time, there is hope, definitely. So I applied in uh, 2016 of November 29, which as we all know, it's already too late, but I didn't want to give up and lose another year. So I ended up not matching for 2017. And I applied again in 2017 to get into 2018. And again, I did not match. As we know, having an IMG stuck behind your MD kind of can prevent a lot of options, especially if you are shooting for a residency that is very competitive. And as we know, ER, anesthesia, radiology, surgery can be very competitive. And at this point, every other right now specialty is pretty competitive. But I didn't match. So two years I went unmatched. And uh, I ended up uh, getting into a program that got accredited uh, like after the match. So it was my opportunity and it worked out. So I started as a PGY1 in 2018. Wow, that's incredible. That's absolutely incredible. Because, you know, for two years, you did not give up on your goal. You had a plan and mission in sight and you kept pushing through. Can you walk us through maybe what things that you learned along the way during that gap period? What are some lessons learned and what advice do you have for other IMGs that are dealing with gaps? What should they do in that time? What should they do to get them to residency from your experience? So, you know, when you finish residency, you have that critical, not residency, I'm sorry. When you finish your uh, medical school, you have maximum almost of two years before you get into residency, because if you're out of clinicals for 
two years or more, most residences will not accept it. However, because mine was a different case and I'm only speaking from my personal experience, like I said, I'm not a conventional student. I was a mother when I started with two young kids. When I did graduate medical school because I did, you know, have I wasn't able to be with my children as much as I want to, especially during my clinicals because I traveled for some rotations, but I decided that I'm not going to go into research or do anything. I wanted to take that year while I was waiting for my first residency to hopefully get in to spend time with my family. So, you know, some years I lost, you cannot recapture, but I wanted to invest my time and be present with my kids. What I did learn, honestly, it's not a straight line to get to what you want. I You know, when I started medical school, we all have these dreams and hopes. We always say, oh, I'm going to get in medical school. I'm going to graduate and I'm going to get into so-and-so, your choice of residency. But the reality of it is, and I don't need to sound like Debbie Downer, but the harsh reality was, A, just because you get into medical school, there are scores and tests that you have to pass. Number two, even if you graduate, it does not mean you will get the choice of the residency you would like let alone any residency. So that's not one thing people tell you is that. So there's a lot of obstacles along the way. And I'm comparing this. I cannot speak for the USA graduates. I'm only speaking for my personal experience as an IMG. So there was a lot of challenges. And like I said, being a mother was no easy task while trying to balance school. What I can say is that definitely I learned about my character and my capabilities, my drive, my ambition, and the sacrifices I was able to make and was willing to make to get to where I am now. It's not for everyone, but uh, definitely make sure the key support is your family. You surround yourself with people who believe in you. You'll have a possibly a lot of doors close on you and that's okay and expect that but always try to have plan a b c and even with hard work sometimes does not pay off i did everything right like uh, you know i briefly mentioned to you in the past i've uh, built network connections shadowed was relevant kept you know kept in touch with people i just didn't show up two you know days before applying for residence say hey remember me no it's a network you build months even years ahead, go to go to conferences, you know, just build network. Just like I said, don't show up a few days before and say, hey, remember I talked to you two years ago. Remember me? No, they're not going to remember you. And even if they do know you, sometimes it doesn't work. But yeah, it just, it was a lot of sacrifices. That's all I can say. Tears, frustrations, and this path demands a lot of you. Yeah. I believe, you know, not matching can be one of the most devastating feelings that a person has in their life, really, because it almost in that moment can feel as if, you know, you're a failure. But when indeed, you know, with perseverance and going back to the drawing board and figuring out, hey, what thing could I have done differently? What is another thing that I can try to do? Unfortunately, you know, sometimes you do your very best, you work hard and things just don't work out as they should. Um, Absolutely. But it's important. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? 
Well, I can't say that, you know, I did not get in two matches in a row. So you can imagine that devastation and the dark times. You feel uh, desperation and you question everything. And you question all the advice where people said you need to show up earlier than your shift. You have to stay there after you do your, you know, be the last one to leave, do everything right. And, you know, I did all that and it still didn't pan out in the beginning, but uh, it was definitely difficult. And one advice I can definitely tell people is, number one, don't screw up your GPA when you get out of high school. That's number one. Number two, do your best to get into USA school. It will eliminate a lot of heartaches and a lot of obstacles, you know, but uh, yeah, Definitely reached out to probably every single program coordinator. And the interesting part, like I said before, uh, I got in 2018. And in 2019, I got an email to an email I wrote back in January of 2018. And they said, yeah, just try applying into our match this year. But I was already getting ready to start PGY too. So it uh, reminded me where I came from, you know. Right, right, definitely. Thanks for being so vulnerable and for opening up, you know, about a failure. A lot of times we, a lot of people don't feel comfortable talking about errors that they've maybe not performed in the most stellar manner. So opening up and sharing about your experience, especially now that you finally did match into your program and your PGY2, that's a big deal. So thank you for, for being open about sharing on that. So, Absolutely. I, I mean, I wasn't ready to give up. I know they always say have a backup plan, but when I didn't get into my residency twice at first, I was getting ready to start nursing school just because I wanted to be in the ER. Yeah. But thankfully I got in. So, Right. And that was because you wanted to go back to, you thought maybe going to nursing school to pursue a nurse, emergency medicine nurse. Correct. Career. Wow. That's determination right there. That's a love for, for the emergency room, we can tell. Yeah, I, absolutely. Yeah. So uh, just some other questions that, you know, a lot of IMGs have about matching, especially after uh, multiple attempts at the match. Did you do observerships during that time? Did you do any research? So I am very terrible at research. And even if I try, I know I will be lousy at that. So... Like I said, because I lost so much time with my children, I dedicated my time to being with them. For me, research was not an option. I did shadow at a hospital, uh, at an ER, but even observatorship and shadowing has become very challenging now because of lawsuits and responsibilities. You become liable. You cannot do anything. When you shadow, you basically, that's what you do. You shadow. You're, you're there. You listen. You, you can't sometimes shine helping them out because you cannot have hands-on or touched patients. At least when I tried to help, they told me, no, don't touch the patient because then you're treating the patient. And there's a lot of, you know, politics and liability involved and legal aspects. So it was a great opportunity to talk to attendings and just observe other residents in their habitat. And I picked pointers by that. So if, if you're strong in research, go for it. You know, I just think what holds us back is the IMG, those letters stuck behind us. You know, back then, if you if you have great scores, you have a good chance, but even great scores at this time are very difficult to get into very demanding residency programs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. 
Definitely. So just some final words regarding the step three. Did you take that as a resident or prior to? Yes. Okay. I took took it at the end of my uh, PGY1. Well, you want to hear actually the story, but, uh, you know, steps are book tests. You know, so my advice will be get the step three out of the way as soon as you get into residency, because, you know, there's clinical experience and then there's the book questions. So I took it at the end of my PGY1 and I passed it and it's one relief. So now it's basically in training exams and getting ready for the boards before I know it, it'll be upon me. Yeah, right. Oh, and the way I studied, I'll tell you what, I don't know, some people can sit two, three hours and they're just brilliant at understanding concepts. I dedicated eight hours a day for good eight weeks before I took my step one and step two. Uh, Step three, uh, not as long. It's different, a little bit different test than step one and step two, but nonetheless, you have to dedicate, you have to understand that you know, there are very few who can just pass it quickly without putting in so much effort, but I wasn't willing to take a risk and I made sure I sat down and studied. Right, right. So just some uh, additional questions regarding the whole preparation process into residency. You said you attended or you recommend for folks to attend conferences. What conferences did you attend for emergency medicine that you found beneficial? Well, when I say conferences, I unfortunately didn't get. So that's why I'm telling you I would recommend, you know, conference. ASAP is one of them. If you want to go into EM, I'm sure I am family medicine, surgery. They all have some conferences that take place each year, you know. But one thing I will recommend as an IMG, if you're going to do your clinical rotations, make sure you do clinical rotations at hospitals that actually have the residency of your choice and have actually accepted students from your school that they've now become resident there. So that's the key. If you're rotating at hospitals that have never taken IMG, yeah, good luck there. That was one of my mistakes, you know, in one of the hospitals, but, uh, that's what I would have done differently and, you know, conferences, obviously. Right. I think that's a, that's a really good point that you mentioned because uh, one way that students can know is you can always look at the website and you can look through to look at the current residents and where they graduated. That's one clue to knowing who matched where. And then if you find out that there's IMGs listed on there, that gives you a, a clue to the likelihood that that program would be friendly toward you. Of course, this is not, it's not a rule, but it's a way that I've used, it's a method I use, and it sounds like you use the same to determine who, what programs are considered IMG friendly per se. Would you agree? Absolutely, Nina, you said it well. Yeah. So just some additional questions that we have. So a lot of the questions that I ask on the podcast really are related to other IMGs and their process and what they want to know. So typically when we have people guests on the show, you know, it almost sounds as if it was just an easy walk in the park, right? Like it sounds as if, oh, you just only had to deal with one or two things. Most listeners feel like they have a lot more problems working against them than they do for them. So from your experience, can you give us some key points looking back at your journey? What advice do you have to your younger self? Well, the first thing I would have said is make sure you got all A's and B's and, uh, figure out sooner than later what you really wanted to do, you know, 
and also make sure that to do your best to get into a USA school. I mean, that's the harsh reality of it. You know, if you're an IMG or FMG, you have a lot of obstacles. And uh, as you can see, some IMGs become statistics of never being get into what they want to do, let alone be able to practice. That's the other, you know, that's one thing. But I will, one advice is that if you're in your interview journey, never lie, never boast. People, the program directors really can sense when there is no genuine, you know, if you're faking or, you know, boasting up, just be yourself because not only do you want to match into that program, but you want to make sure you match with the people that you're going to work. It's like uh, my mentor told me at two in the morning, who do you want to be stuck working when trauma comes in? You know, just think back and you want to make sure you fit into that program. You know, it's a two way street, you know? Yeah. And you're definitely at a mercy of the program directors. I've always advised when you finish an interview, definitely follow up with a thank you, uh, maybe a card or you know, the key is actually building rapport with the program coordinator. They run everything. Like if you, you just want to address the program director, get their business card, thank them also for your journey and the opportunity that they coordinated the interview and reach out to the program directors. Just don't send them emails like five, six, seven times because it can backfire, you know? There's a fine line of showing initiation, you know? Right. There's a way to network. And a lot of times we can mistake networking for bombarding people's email. But like you said er- earlier in the podcast, networking is about building a relationship over a period of time and not just showing up several times in one month. And so it's important that I, I want to just reemphasize a point that you've made. Connecting with program coordinators is a great arena or method of contact for most of these programs. You may not always get the program director, but you can always reach out to the coordinators. Attending conferences is another way. Ultimately, I think you've said one thing and you've said it twice. You know, for those that are U.S. citizens that are listening to this podcast who have the opportunity to go to medical school in the States, you should still prioritize that because it's definitely going to facilitate the way in for you compared to being an IMG. But for those who are already along the, along the way, then we really want to encourage them and empower them with this advice. So, uh, Dr. Natalia, before we get you off the phone, can we just learn your mantra for success? What is your mantra for success? Be able to be flexible and don't be so rigid to get to where you want. You have to be able to adapt to every situation. And that's one thing it taught me going to a foreign medical school. Yeah. So growth is the, the part of growth with it comes with adaptation and being being Adaptation. Flexible. Yeah. I'm so flexible and being able to realize that if this way doesn't work, find another solution, you know, right. find another alley, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. This brings us to the end of our episode. We really appreciate your advice. We know that it's going to go a long way to help another emergency medicine resident. If we want to get in contact with you on the internet or through social media, how do we find you? You can find me on Instagram. It's uh, at uh, Dr. Underscore Natalia Underscore MD. You can also put in the your podcast if you want for anybody. Thank you so much. We'll put it in the show notes. We'll have our contact information so you guys can do a one click and get to her page. Thank you for joining us tonight, Dr. Natalia. Have a good evening.
Thank you, Nina, and good luck to every single IMG. I know you. some of you guys are still being interviewed, so I wish you all the best. Thank you.